With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The all-new Chevy Colorado is made for more. Stacked with the latest in-vehicle technologies like a class-leading 11-inch diagonal center touchscreen and an extra-large wireless charging pad. Plus, it features wireless Apple CarPlay and Android Auto compatibility to make staying connected easy wherever your adventure takes you. Chevy Colorado, made for more. Learn more at Chevrolet.com slash truck slash Colorado. Claims based on latest competitive data. This is the On The Banks podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Aaron Brightman. Welcome to episode 118 of the On The Banks podcast. I'm your host and managing editor, Aaron Brightman. Thanks so much for listening once again. Busy weekend, just past first week of December. Holiday season's upon us. Rutgers women's soccer just wanted to briefly touch on a tremendous season, came to an end in the Final Four, losing to eventual national champion Florida State on Friday night in a one nothing loss that really was um, extremely hard-fought. Rutgers had six shots in the final 13 minutes of the game, came close several times to tying the game and sending it to overtime, really played well against the Florida State team that was top 10 in the country in scoring almost three goals a game, held them to one, uh, scored the the Mac Herman uh, trophy uh, winner from last season. Julia Howe was able to uh, score on a set piece on a corner kick in the 71st minute. Rutgers really, uh, they went down swinging, as I wrote about uh, after the game, and uh, it was an emotional uh, ending to their great season, uh, the best season in program history, uh, and the end to some uh, great careers, uh, specifically Amira Ali, the first four-time All-American in program history, Gabby Promizano, who was the first-team All-American and Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, you have Frankie Tagliaferri, the transfer from Penn State, Big Ten Midfielder of the Year, first-team All-American, she, uh, the three of them, what they meant for this team this season was unbelievable. And uh, also just in terms of their leadership and uh, performance on the field. The positive is uh, this this roster continues to be full of talent and now even more experience going into next season. Head coach Mike O'Neill has built a powerhouse. And I think this is really just um, going to be an extension moving forward with, you know, several freshmen that will be uh, coming back, uh, you have a sophomore class that's just loaded. And of course, uh, you know, they'll have uh, another uh, top 20 recruiting class on the way as well. But really wanted to focus this episode on Rutgers men's basketball. Uh, obviously, a uh, an up and down week last week. They did defeat Clemson uh, in a much needed victory, but then uh, had a um, really, really disappointing Big Ten opening performance against Illinois on the road. 
lost by 35 points, tied for the worst margin of defeat in the Peichel era. They lost by 35 at Purdue uh, in the 2018-2019 season, who coincidentally visits the rack this Thursday as ranked the number one team in the country. We knew going into this week that it was going to be a really tough stretch after Clemson with Illinois and Purdue, followed by Seton Hall this Sunday. And I even said last week on this podcast that, you know, starting 0-2 in Big Ten play, I wasn't too concerned about it. I really think Seton Hall is the uh, game they have to get in this stretch. That being said, the way in which Rutgers played at Illinois is really concerning and extremely disappointing in a season that is um, really just been, simply put, a disaster in terms of how they're how they're playing. They're now four and four, but the new net rankings came out this week, uh, which is obviously a huge factor in how the NCAA tournament selection committee uh, evaluates teams. And Rutgers is dead last in the Big Ten at 217th. They're also teetering, uh, following out of the Ken Palm top 100. They're currently ranked 100 as of this recording on Tuesday, which just highlights the lack of efficiency and the inability for this team to, frankly, play good basketball. Um, there's lots of reasons for that. I wrote uh, today as well. You can uh, read it on thebanks.com about their offensive woes. Really, I, I believe, starting with their lack of ability to score in transition. And coincidentally, it's not a lack of trying. It's just statistically, it shows that they're, you know, that they're settling. They're not, they're not attacking the rim. They're getting less shots at the rim, and they're making less shots everywhere else, even more than last year and the year before. So, you know, strategically, this team is just not being very smart. And we really saw that kind of blow up against Illinois, their toughest opponent so far, with their inability to score. Uh, and just their, you know, inability to move the ball in the half court uh, and get good shots. You know, the Illinois game was a was an example of it. it. Really affected the defense. Um, and unfortunately, the most disturbing part of that loss, which has kind of been a theme all year, but really reared its ugly head against Illinois, uh, was a lack of fight in this team, a lack of emotion. And you know, they just they looked checked out. And um, it's big picture wise. A huge change from Steve Peichel teams of the past, you know, and looking at, you know, his early years with this team, I, I look at, especially with this week, I think it's it's uh, fair to, to look at, you know, his second team in 2017, 2018, you had Mike Williams, you had Deshaun Freeman, you had Corey Sanders, you know, all had flaws as players, um, but always played extremely hard for Peichel and this team. And they took uh, a top five Purdue team at the rack. Without Mike Williams, they lost by one possession. They lost by two points. So for me, heading into Thursday, that's something I'm going to be looking at is how hard, you know, listen, we can't expect them to win this game, but how hard are they going to fight Purdue? Uh, are they going to lay down? And is it going to be a Jet Eddie Jordan team era type loss when they lost to Purdue by 50 points at the rack? Or are they going to battle like Peichel's early teams and, and give Purdue all they can handle? Rutgers has beaten Purdue the last three meetings, um, which I think has been uh, correlated with the rise of the program. The first one came at Purdue when they uh, basically had to have that game in 2020 to uh, essentially punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament. That ultimately never happened. But still, that started uh, three in a row against Purdue and something that uh, you know has been, I think, a highlight for this program to show how far they've come. Uh, and it really comes full circle this week with Purdue number one in the country, Obviously, Matt Painter just continues to do an amazing job with that program. 
and where wh which Rutgers team is going to show up? Is it is it going to be you know the team that we have grown to love under Peichel, which is a team that fights to the better end and and plays extremely hard, especially on the defensive end, rebounding wise. They've never been a great offensive team, but in the past they've been able to win and really uh, be very competitive against the top teams in the country because of their effort. And we've seen this far this season against inferior opponents. They're losing because of a, a lack of execution, but also, you know, uh, just a lack of passion. And I, I think that's the most disturbing part, especially with the group they have back. Um, and I think, you know, yes, a lot has been made of the losses of Miles Johnson, Jacob Young and Montez Mathis, who I think doesn't get enough credit, actually, for the impact that he made. But, you know, and I touch on that uh, in looking at transition offense. But at the same time, you know, I think it's really disappointing how the returning core four have not performed at the level that we have hoped or seen and expected. Uh, they really have not taken a step forward this year. And I think that's a big part of the problem as much as anything. Um, just looking at, you know, some examples, the Northwestern team of 2017-2018, uh, I think there's definitely some parallels there. Uh, the year before, they made the NCAA tournament in first time in program history, went to the second round, lost to Gonzaga, gave them a, a heck of a game, and and just fell short. And then the following season, they returned their four best players from that team, and Scotty Lindsay, Vic Law, Bryant McIntosh, and Derek Pardon. McIntosh, much like Baker, uh, did play hurt that year. Uh, obviously, Geo Baker being out has hurt Rutgers quite a bit, but that core four for Northwestern never got it together, never took a step forward, statistically was worse. And Northwestern had a losing season that year when so much was expected of them. And unfortunately, this Rutgers team is looking, they have a lot of parallels to that team so far. I think uh, there's obviously plenty to be concerned about. Um, but from my view, I think the most, the, the, I, I think we have to simplify the approaches as fans and, and really focus on is what team is going to show up this week. You have Purdue, number one team in the country. And then you have the biggest rivalry game that this program has at Seton Hall. If you don't see the type, you know, even in years past when Seton Hall has been good and Rutgers has been bad, they've always given Seton Hall a battle other than a couple of years with Eddie Jordan's teams. So, you know, I don't look at it as, as an excuse. So, yes, on paper, Seton Hall is the better team. Yes, it's at Seton Hall. But um, I expect this Rutgers team to show up and and and. You know, listen, I think they have a chance to win that game. And uh, if they, you know, if they don't, it's one thing to play poorly. But if, uh, if, if, if they're not out there playing in a way that, you know, they know it's a rivalry game. Um, I think that's that's a bigger concern long term. That being said, obviously, it is rivalry week with Seton Hall. Always um, a fun time. It, was a, it did not happen last year. Uh, due to COVID, and we're back this year, uh, in part thanks to Steve Peichel and the coaching staff making sure it was a priority on the schedule. And uh, what we wanted to do also was highlight uh, that game. And my guest this week is Pat Lawless and CJ Nobile of the front office. They cover recruiting. They also do a lot of uh, events, one of which they're doing a banquet this Friday night for Rutgers and Seton Hall. They have a lot of former great players from both programs. Uh, they have some moderators. It's a really, I think, cool and fun event to help celebrate the rivalry, especially in a year when it's back for the first time after a year absence. And uh, we're going to welcome them in and talk to Pat Lawless and CJ Nobile now. With it being Rutgers Seton Hall week here in college basketball, New Jersey, obviously wanted to, it's a big week for Rutgers fans. And wanted to bring in right now Pat Lawless and CJ Nobile 
from the front office who are running a pretty cool special event this week prior to the rivalry game and also just to talk recruiting and New Jersey hoops with both of them. Pat and CJ, thanks so much for being here and welcome. Uh, really looking forward to being on. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Obviously, huge week for New Jersey basketball, Rutgers Seton Hall. You guys came up with this really cool idea. Wanted to give you an, a platform to speak about it. So, Pat, why don't you uh, kind of start it off? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, just to give you guys some background, you know, New Jersey basketball, Rutgers Seton Hall, um, for me and CJ means a ton to us. We're New Jersey kids. We're basketball nerds. Um, so, you know, th this whole space, that whole experience means a ton to us. And we've been talking about doing something special um, for both schools for quite some time. So, you know, in just one of our brainstorming sessions, we thought, you know, what's a cool way to engage with that community um, during that weekend that's really untapped that hasn't been done yet. And, you know, that's kind of what spawned the idea of, you know, the banquet and getting those legends of the past to speak on that weekend when everyone's thinking about it, all New Jersey's talking about it. So, you know, that's why, you know, we're running a banquet that Friday before the game on Sunday. Um, we're having some of the biggest Rutgers legends like Quincy Doobie, Phil Sellers. We were just at his house filming a, a promo video today. Miles um, Mack's going to be zooming in. You know, obviously Austin Johnson um, from the Rutgers side of things. And then having personalities like Jerry Carino and John Rothstein and John Fanta is going to be hosting it. So it's all come together. Um, honestly, better, better plan, CJ. I don't know if I don't want to speak for you, but better than we <laughs> intended. Um, and it's, it's been really yes. cool come together yeah absolutely i mean you know just to speak on the rivalry itself i think if both teams were 0 and 8 going into it the place would still sell out it's just how much this game means to new jersey and yeah you know we're just really looking forward to shutting a spotlight on this rivalry because i think for the state of new jersey it's so important it's new jersey's best rivalry i i think that's without question and um you know uh, we're just looking forward to a packed house you know building some momentum up into that game sunday so you know we're, we're really excited and um yeah that's about it well, I think it's a great idea, and I think it's even even better timing after last year with COVID, uh, not being able to have fans at games, Rutgers-Seton Hall missing the game for the first time in many, many years. Uh, obviously, there's a, there's a lot more juice going into it this year. Rutgers, of course, not off to the start. Uh, many of us had hoped, but um, like you said, CJ, I think people forget there were many, many years where this rivalry was as intense as it's ever been, and both teams were not having the best years, so... Uh, anything can happen in this rivalry. And I think it's just a, a great idea that you guys have developed. I, I did want to ask you a little bit about it. I love, uh, yeah, you, you kind of mentioned a trio of media uh, heavyweights for, for around here. Uh, John Fanta, obviously Seton Hall grad, um, but uh, tremendous work with Big East Network and Field of 68. Obviously, Jerry Carino, we had him on last week. And then uh, John Rothstein. So how did that kind of, what was your vision for having those three guys kind of really be a big part of this night? You know, Jerry Carino, I, I first want to give Jerry Carino a shout. He's been phenomenal in helping Pat and I really guide us through all this, you know, acquiring talent and whatnot. And, you know, when you think of New Jersey basketball, you think of Jerry Carino. Jerry Carino is the guy. Jerry Carino writes about Rutgers. He writes about Seton Hall. He's fantastic. I mean, John Fanta, you know, he's one of the rising stars in the, you know, in, in, in college basketball right now. He's phenomenal at what he does. You know, he brings a ton of personality. So, I mean, for him to mediate the event, I think it's, you know, he's just going to bring life to it at all times. And, you know, John Rothstein, it goes without being said, you know, John Rothstein could be described as the face of college basketball right now. So I think in terms of media talent alone, I mean, it's um, it's a really great lineup, New Jersey centric overall. I, I, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I, uh, I, I love Fanta and his enthusiasm is, is infectious. Obviously, Rothstein, you know, he, he's uh, 
his enthusiasm comes across a little bit different in social media, but uh, you know, you love, you know, the guy loves college basketball and he's uh, been very supportive of Rutgers over the years as well. And then Carino, of course, you guys had to have, have him involved. So um, just in terms of specifics, Pat, just in terms of location, uh, name of the restaurant, uh, timing, how people buy tickets, uh, just, you know, give a little rundown there. For sure. Yeah. So the event is going to be taking place at Mama Vittoria in Nutley, uh, a, a beautiful banquet hall that me and CJ selected. They've been they've been great to work with. It's going to be on December 10th, um, starting at seven o'clock, seven to eight. We're going to be having a social hour. Um, so all the all the, the, the guests will be having fun, interacting, you know, drinking in the open bar, you know, eating some some really good food. Um, and then, you know, the panel will start, um, you know, we'll have a panel of, you know, Rutgers intermixed with Rutgers scene hall and personalities. And then we'll have a second panel and then, yeah, we'll be raffling off what CJ front row tickets to the game, um, which would, yep. would be awesome. I'm raffling off, you know, autographs from, from John Rothstein, Isaiah Whitehead, Rutgers guys. So the environment's going to be electric. You can get tickets on our site, thefrontoffice.me. And and CJ, we, we got a little promo code for, for On the Banks, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. What do we got? So, you know, originally tickets were going for $100, but because, you know, there's so many loyal Rutgers fans, diehard Rutgers fans, we figure, you know, we'll cut it in half. So, I mean, if you guys want to come, it's $50. You know, it's going to be a great event. Food, alcohol, soft drinks, everything uh, – Everything you really want on a Friday night, too. So, um, yeah, we just want to give you guys that promo. And, Aaron, we'll give you the link so you can include it within your podcast or, or, or however, however you might want to include that. So, yeah. Absolutely. No, I love it, guys. That's uh, really cool that you did that. And, uh, you know, just looking at the Rutgers, uh, you know, past past stars that you have. I mean, you Phil Sellers. You know, I think a lot of people don't realize, but I mean, he, I think it's hard to argue that he's not the greatest Rutgers player of all time. Then you have Quincy Doobie, who I think modern day, probably the greatest of this century. And then Miles Mack, you know, for me especially, I just uh, such an underappreciated Rutgers star through the years. So I think it's just really awesome what you guys are doing and uh, glad to uh, help promote it. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do a little uh, plug for it at the end, but... Obviously, I want to talk to you guys about recruiting as well and college basketball this season. Uh, starting off with Rutgers, um, Pat, just wanted to ask, you know, Derek Simpson, obviously New Jersey guard, signed with Rutgers uh, last month. What are, what are your impressions of, of him in terms of his high school career and, and what he offers to Rutgers uh, in the near future? Uh, the first word that comes to mind with, with Derek Simpson is potential, man. Like, the kid's got all the tools. And the comparison that keeps being, you know, and I hate to place – certain expectations on a kid that hasn't stepped foot on campus yet. But the comparison that keeps being brought up is Geo Baker. And he acknowledged that when we interviewed him um, over the past weekend, like, Hey, like who, who are some people that, you know, you're getting comparisons from He's saying Geo, Geo Baker, Geo Baker. So Rutgers fans should love to hear that super talented kid, charismatic kid, fun to talk to. And I think he kind of fits into the system pretty well. And he's very, very uh, athletic, gets to the rim, um, crafty and, yeah, just has a, a, a good overall skill set. I do see him as a guy that can make an impact from day one. I do think he has that ability. Um, so, yeah, Rutgers fans should be very, very excited, in my opinion, about Derek Simpson. I don't think um, his ranking does not justice. I think he should be ranked higher, if I'm being honest with you. So that, that brings up an interesting point that I wanted to ask CJ in terms of 
you know, I, I think part of Simpson not being so highly ranked is not playing for such a high-profile AAU team. Uh, obviously, Peichel has kind of proven in the past, especially with New Jersey. Uh, obviously, Mulcahy was a, you know, a national recruit, but um, even with Ron Harper before he blew up and um, just how he's recruited New Jersey in the past, um, you know, not not necessarily gravitating. He's made He's obviously pursued some of the top recruits in New Jersey, AAU-wise, but uh, how important is it to success to be able to find guys like Simpson that maybe are a little bit under the radar, but tend to kind of peak at that right time? You know, it's funny you say that because when Pat and I went in to interview uh, Coach Pike, who's a great guy, he said, you know, I, I don't recall you starting out with a 5-0 lead because you have a five-star on the court. You know, uh, rankings don't mean anything when you get to college. And I couldn't agree anymore. I mean, you look at some guys that have made it. Geo Baker, you know, he was nationally ranked, what was it, 400. Look, he carved out an unbelievable you know, career at Rutgers, I, I really don't think rankings mean anything, in my opinion. I mean, obviously, you know, it's a guideline for people to look at and whatnot. But also, too, I mean, I think Peichel's built an identity for that program where you have to be a Steve Peichel-type player to thrive and really – and I think Derek Simpson's that kind of guy, so. Kind of uh, playing up for that, Pat, I'll put you on the spot a little bit. That being said, obviously, you know, Peichel has done a really good job of developing under-recruited talent. Um, he's also, you know, listen, he got Cliff Omori, uh, Omori uh, he got Jaden Jones – uh, he got Montez Mathis in the past, some higher rated guys. You know, there's obviously some concern with this 22 class that there's not one or two of those types of guys as well. Uh, how do you see this for, for this uh, current class and also the future with Rutgers in terms of getting more top tier talent? Yeah, man, I think like, do I think they'll land them? Definitely no. But I think seeing like a guy like Nas Cunningham going on campus and just like doing unofficial visit and posting on his Instagram, like, should I be the hometown hero? Like those conversations, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron, you know, the program better than I do. Were those ever, were, was that a thing? Was that ever a thing? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think so. Right. So I think that like, I think we're seeing with guys like Ron Harper, in New Jersey guys that are New Jersey born guys like doing it at that level and succeeding that has a trickle down effect with you, whether you like it or not, all these high school kids look at that. They look and see, okay, can I do this in my home state? Is this possible? So I think there is some conversation there, but I think that there, you know, and whether you like it or not, you know, even from the scene hall side of things, if you are able to show that kids that, Hey, you are capable of doing this, in your home state and succeeding, there's more of an up, obviously a possibility of kids staying. So yeah, like I think I, I, in, in talking to kids and, you know, when me and CJ interview them and just the conversation around the grassroots community, yeah, there's definitely like a growing interest of these kids staying home for sure. Yeah. I think uh, people forget, you know, when Michael took over Rutgers, I mean, the, the recruits at Seton Hall were talking to, none of them had any interest in Rutgers. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I guess I'm a little surprised. They don't tend to recruit against each other as much as I think maybe in the past. But um, I think it speaks to the two coaches in terms of who they target. But at the same time, this game is so huge for recruiting, for perception in this state. Uh, CJ, just talking about that a little bit and, and kind of how recruiting has changed now with the transfer portal, you know, the way Seton Hall has really utilized the transfer portal. Obviously Rutgers fans are a little upset with the way Steve Peichel did this year. You know, how do you see that kind of changing uh, high school recruiting moving forward? After last season, you know, there weren't a ton of, you know, high expectations around the Seton Hall program. We had a star with Jared Roden, a guy like Tyree Samuel, but in a matter of two weeks, you get Kadari Richmond, 
you know, you get Alexis Yetna. I, I mean, with the transfer portal, it's such a good advantage. Like Kevin Willard didn't rebuild. He reloaded this year. And I, I, I think you're seeing that, especially with experience. I mean, you know, you got you got to look at it like this. 23-year-olds are going up against 18-year-olds. You know, I'm going to take a 23-year-old over an 18-year-old McDonald's All-American just, you know, based off, you know, the physicality, all that and whatnot. And I think, um, you know, Kevin's done a great job of relearning with that. And I think I think Steve Michael's going to do it this year, honestly. You know, I know people were a little bit critical of all he and utilize the portal. But, I mean, Andre Heights, like, he, he's a stud, man. I, I mean, I, I think people are kind of overlooking that. I think Jaden Jones, I know he's a freshman, or he was on campus last semester as well, but – I mean, he's going to be a stud. You see it in him. You, you see glimpses. I think Jalen Miller's going to be fine. So, I mean, listen, Pike has done a phenomenal job. You know, he didn't inherit a gold mine by any means. So he has built a program. He's resurrected that program. And I think he really deserves a ton of credit. Yeah, I agree with you. And listen, I, I uh, even as a Rutgers fan, I, I, I think highly of Kevin Willard. I think he's done an amazing job at Seton Hall. I, I think one thing that Rutgers fans forget is, you know, essentially Rutgers has gone to the NCAA tournament in years four and five for Steve Peichel after inheriting the worst uh, high major team in college basketball. It still took Kevin Willard six years to get Seton Hall to the NCAA tournament. Obviously, what he's done now is he's raised the level and made them, a, you know, an NCAA tournament team year after year after year. And I think people just kind of assume that that's what would happen now with Peichel. And I obviously this year... Huge disappointment so far, but um, I think there might be an overreaction too that, you know, they're not going to get back there again for some time. Pat, what, what do you look at the roster and the younger guys on this team and, and what the future looks like for Rutgers? Yeah, I think, you know, CJ, you know, the first name that I think of is Jaden Jones. When you watched him in high school, in terms of talent, it's all there. And the fact that Rutgers was able to like go out of their comfort zone and their, what they normally recruit in and land a guy like that speaks volumes. So I think, I think there's a lot of potential for him. I love his size. Uh, I think, I think that he affects the games in so many different ways. And, you know, you just see these glimpses where a guy like that can just add so much, uh, add so much, so, so many dimensions to your team um, that I really, really see a ton of value in, in, in Jaden Jones. And I know Cliff's obviously, um, a sophomore, but you know, obviously, him being a young guy and developing with him and having a guy with that physicality, like he has things that you can't teach, right? Um, so, building around him, um, having having somebody uh, like that is huge. So, yeah, I think the they have these core pieces to grow with that I think you know a guy like Jaden and, and and Cliff are huge building blocks for for a program like Rutgers. So, yeah, they're they're in a good spot. And uh, CJ, just talking specifically about this game on Sunday, what are you looking for in terms of kind of keys keys to the game or key matchups to, to look for? Listen, you know, it's no secret. There's no love loss between the programs. You know, this is a rivalry. This is one of the best rivalries in college basketball, in my opinion. It's going to be a physical game. It's going to be a chippy game. It doesn't matter the records coming in. You know, when you go into this game, I think both teams are 0-0, right? They look at this as each other's like, we got to win this game. You know, like you said, recruiting implications, um, all that stuff. And, I think honestly, it sounds so cliche and corny, but I really think the X factor is who's going to get in the who's going to get in the ground for those loose balls, who's going to play hard, or you know who's going to grab those offensive rebounds. Um, I mean, I'm just looking forward to it. You know, being in the stands. You know, I was at the rack three years ago. I'm a big scene Hall fan. I was getting booed out of the place when Ron Harper. You know, it was twelve two before you blinked your eyes. I mean, you know, people were giving me the bird in the two hundreds. You know, I, I I got booed out of there. My dad's like, you gotta go. So you know, it, it's just going to be a great game. It's so great for the sport and so great for the state, honestly. Well, I listen, I'm obviously biased too, but I think it's one of the, the best uh, rivalries in college basketball and has been even in down years for both programs. 
And CJ, that was a veteran move to reveal you're a Seton Hall fan at the end. So uh, props to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, last word for Pat, just um, any final words, just talking about the banquet and any thoughts you have for this game on, on Sunday? Listen, yeah, I think, I think this game means so much to New Jersey. It just didn't feel right the year that, you know, and CJ could speak more on this, but the we were depressed the year that they didn't have seen all Rutgers, right? And our friends were too. So, well, let's just say this: if the game yeah. happened last year at the COVID protocol, I would have gotten a break and enter in charge because I was going to be in the arena for that one. There's absolutely no doubt about it. You know, they'd have to claw me out of it. But Patty, <laughs> you have that on the record now, Aaron. You have that on the record. Um, but yeah, so we were we were down the dumps. Um, so this year meant so much to us. Uh, that's why we needed to do something special centered around this event, this, you know, uh, around this game. Um, and that's why this event was created. So, you know, obviously before Sunday, you can come to an event that really encapsulates what is Rutgers seeing all ba- uh, basketball. What is New Jersey basketball, right? You have guys like Phil Sellers. You have guys like Quincy Doobie. You guys like Isaiah Whitehead, Terry to here, you know, legends. So it's like, we're not just talking about recent heroes here. We're, we're, we're dating back, right? And we have guys like Phil Sellers in his house today yelling like, come on, Rutgers, you got this. You know what I mean? All this. So it's like just really bringing that history all in one evening in a fun atmosphere, keeping things lighthearted and, uh, you know, some booze, some drinks and, uh, you know, some food. So it's, it's, it's going to be an awesome, awesome night. I'm excited. And I know CJ is. And I think Rutgers and Scene Hall fans um, especially with that 50% uh, off uh, on the bank's discount um, should be really, really. The real question is, are you guys going to be there? True. Are you guys going to be there? Well, we'll be, we'll be at the game Friday. And listen, I would love to be there. I, I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. So that is my excuse for not being there <laughs> because uh, – uh, I, I barely made it to this podcast tonight. I was uh, dealing with <laughs> with two young kids, but um, I, I'm sure, listen, we will get the word out. And I, you have my word that in a future year, hopefully next year, I will be there. Listen, we're not, this isn't, this isn't and I can speak for CJ, this isn't a one-year thing. We want to listen to a really, really cool event, uh, you know, and, and get as many people involved as possible to really build this out. These two programs deserve uh, an event like this centered around a, a great rivalry. So this isn't the first year where this isn't the only year we're going to do it. This is going to be a, a reoccurring event for us. Well, it's great guys. Uh, and you know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe when this banquet gets so big, maybe one year Seton Hall will actually open the open, uh, the upper level uh, for Rutgers fans to attend the game, CJ. Maybe you could talk to somebody and see if Seton Hall actually allow Rutgers fans to attend the game. I can't speak on that. You know, I'd love to, but I, I don't know. <laughs> guys thanks so much guys uh, best of luck with this we'll promote it all week for you and uh hopefully uh there's more Rutgers fans there than Seton Hall but hopefully you get a, a sellout and uh best of luck with everything the front office Pat Lawless CJ Nobile thanks a lot guys appreciate it thank you thanks for having us thanks so much to Pat and CJ for coming on the podcast and talking about that really uh just great idea for a banquet to celebrate the rivalry. Uh, I feel a little bad that Rutgers is <laughs> not having the season we all hoped. I think if, if they were, there'd be even more buzz about it, but really wanted to get the word out and uh, it was very generous of them to offer a discount uh, to all of our listeners and readers. So hopefully take advantage of that. I think it's going to be a, a great night and hopefully Sunday night is even greater and it's a game that Rutgers can, I don't want to say get back on track because I, I, I know it's cliche, but I, we really have to take it week to week with this team. And um, but they got to start somewhere. And I think obviously Clemson shows that, you know, when they're focused, 
um, you know, they, they can beat high major teams and uh, when they're not, and when they're not uh, playing with passion uh, as they did against Illinois, you know, the wheels come off pretty fast. So lots of questions to be answered this week. Purdue at home Thursday night, number one team in the country, Sunday night at the Rock against Seton Hall. And uh, we'll learn a lot about this Rutgers basketball team this week. And we'll be back next week to talk about them, as well as all other Rutgers sports. And you can uh, read all of our coverage on Rutgers Athletics at onthebanks.com and follow us at OTB underscore SB Nation on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening once again here at On The Banks. Follow On The Banks on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Just search On The Banks Podcast.